Hello, and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. So welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. Uh, I am Dr. Jules Lipoff, dermatologist practicing in Philadelphia. Today, I am honored and privileged to have the opportunity to talk with Dr. Amit Garg, who is the professor and founding chair for the Department of Dermatology at the Zucker School of Medicine at Hofstra Northwell in New York. Thank you, Dr. Garg. It's a pleasure to have you with us. I'm excited to be here, Jules. So Dr. Garg is an expert in many things, including hydradniasoperativa, and that is the main topic of our conversation today. Specifically, an article published in the JAD called Social Comorbidity Screenings and Hydroanitis Superativa Evidence-Based Recommendations from the U.S. and Canadian Hydroanitis Superativa Foundations. So, Dr. Garg, I read this review article about hydroanitis, and I think all of us in dermatology take care of these patients, some maybe more than others. Can you tell us what was new in this most recent review compared to previous guidelines? What are the biggest changes from different previous guidelines? So actually, these guidelines are the first globally which address screenings for comorbidities in HS. We have other guidelines, North American guidelines that exist for treatment, but this is the one and only to this point that addresses comorbidity screenings around the world. These guidelines address you know, what I consider one of the three major gaps in HS, which from my perspective include treatment, of course, but also time to diagnosis, which we have learned is a significant barrier to care for HS patients. And then the third being comprehensive care strategies for the HS patient. And so these guidelines address that last point. When evaluating HS patients, we've always sensed and even observed a need for care beyond their skin disease. And these guidelines allowed us to synthesize the best available evidence on the topic to then put into action a strategy to address care more comprehensively for, for those patients. So I think it was very well put when you talked about the three major gaps, treatment, time to diagnosis, and comprehensive care strategies, right? Why do you think it took so long to develop these guidelines? And it, does that speak to gaps in care or lack of comfort as a field or in medicine at large? It's a good question. And there's probably lots of reasons why HS as a focus of study may be, I don't know, 10 years behind the curve compared to something like psoriasis. Uh, when, you, when you look at the index publications on both topics, you see that psoriasis publications are probably, you know, 10 times greater than HS, though I will say in the past few years, we've seen the curve for HS take a steep turn upward, which just means there's, you know, really a strong effort by a community of dermatologists, researchers, even pharma who've taken an interest in this disease, which, which ultimately is great for patients. I also think, you know, there are just some challenges specific to HS that just make it a tougher disease to study. Frankly, it's just not as common as something like psoriasis and eczema. And so for many years, we had cohorts to study, but those cohorts were numbered in 50 patients or maybe even 500 patients. And when we were lucky, 
a thousand or so. But when you're trying to study a less common disease and potentially less common events for that disease, those cohort sizes really just weren't adequate to make the observations that we can today. And so a lot of my work has involved the application of big data science, where we've got lots of data, so quite sort of large numbers of patients, but also good quality data. And that's really what's allowed us to make many of the observations that we have today around comorbidities. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think there's a lot of potential synergy in that a lot of the same therapies for psoriasis can also be used for hydradenitis and other things. So hopefully there is a lot of new opportunities there. I want to get into some of the more of the content of the review article about comorbidities. What are comorbidities do you think dermatologists are most aware of and which ones do you think they're most likely to overlook? Yeah, so I, I would say that tobacco smoking and obesity are probably the ones that dermatologists have first in mind when evaluating HS patients, and for good reason. You know, we have more data on the relationships between tobacco smoking or obesity and HS than any of the other comorbidities. Uh, but there is a caveat to these comorbidities. You know, because of the strength of relationship between tobacco smoking and obesity with HS, there's also this misconception that the disease is caused by uh, either or both of those two comorbidities, or that smoking cessation and weight loss results in an improvement in the disease status. There's some evidence that tobacco smoking and obesity are risk factors that are related to the onset of HS, but there are also likely a number of other factors involved that we haven't come close to deciphering. And we really have very little and probably somewhat circumstantial data on improvements in HS with quitting smoking or losing weight. But certainly over the past five years or so, we've learned so much about the relationships between HS and numerous other comorbid conditions. So yeah, I agree that I think, you know, we all as dermatologists think about asking about smoking status, diet, and risk of metabolic syndrome, obesity. But I also noticed that in your paper, you mentioned things like mental health comorbidities and sexual dysfunction. Is that something that we as dermatologists, should we be asking all of our patients or screening them for depression and sexual dysfunction? Well, we certainly appreciate that the psychiatric comorbidity in HS is probably the most prevalent and maybe the most important in terms of, you know, the impact on life for patients. So it's a relevant issue that needs to be addressed. Whether dermatologists do it or find support in having that comorbidity addressed is really a different conversation. I think some of the relevant issues here are what are the comorbidities that are within the scope of practice and experience of dermatologists and, and which are ones that we just need help with to be able to address you know, the needs of an HS patient. The guidelines, which you mentioned, are published in the JAD uh, as an open access article, I might add, so everybody can access it, has a very nice table which summarizes the role of the dermatologists in screening for comorbidities whether that's performing a skin exam, performing a review of systems, or advocating on behalf of HS patients for screenings by the relevant disciplines in medicine. 
Yeah, I, I think I noticed that table. And so I was a little bit cheating by looking at the recommendations to figure out what to ask you about. I think I saw specifically that there's potential for collaborative partners in primary care, gastroenterology, and endocrine for sure. In your own practice, are, are you working collaboratively uh, with those departments or how do you direct your patients for screening generally? Yeah, it's, it's an important issue to have some strategy around because I think everyone who's listening to the podcast will appreciate HS patients have several care needs. The most important to both parties being what's present at the time, really, it's addressing the skin disease and the symptoms related to it. But what I've tried to do is over the course of a year, try to address a couple of the comorbidities that I feel are most pertinent to that patient. So I don't have to do it at every visit, but I've got a plan in place that over the course of one year, I've got some comorbidities that I want to try to have addressed for the patient. And in the second year, it may be a different group of comorbidities, but over the course of time, we're making sure that things things are addressed appropriately. So, you know, I can kind of go over some of the roles that I think dermatologists, you know, should have. So, you know, I think there are some comorbidities that are totally in the wheelhouse of practicing dermatologists. So things like acne, dissecting cellulitis of the scalp, pilonidal disease, pyoderma gangrenosum. These are all comorbidities that will manifest on the skin. And we are as expert as anybody else in identifying them. Even we know there's also a strong relationship between Down syndrome and HS. And so now whenever I see a Down syndrome patient, albeit it may be for any skin condition, I'm always looking in the axilla, uh, under the breasts, in the groin for stigmata or, or signs of HS, just given the strength of the relationship. Yeah, the downs part, that's something I hadn't previously known about. That stood out to me in your review. So I guess that's a specific bullet point to pay attention to for our downs patients that are at high risk for HS. Yeah, it might be the strongest related skin condition to down syndrome. And we think, you know, we're not quite sure exactly why that relationship exists, but it may have something to do with shared gene mutations. The other thing I try to do, which is fairly straightforward for me and time efficient, is performing a review of systems related to tobacco smoking, related to inflammatory bowel disease, inflammatory arthritis, and even sexual dysfunction, which we know is important for HS patients. And again, you know, this is not something I'm having to do on every visit or addressing all of these on every visit, but I've got a nice checklist and the table that I mentioned in the JAD can be a good basis for that checklist to make sure that, you know, once every year or so you get through the pertinent comorbidities. And then of course, there are the comorbidities which are really out of my scope of practice as a, as a dermatologist. I may have developed some expertise in addressing some of them, but most of us on a routine basis, you know, this is not something that we necessarily have the experience in doing routinely or the workflows to do it. So things like screening for obesity, screening for depression or anxiety, or even screening for suicidality, which can be a pertinent issue for HS patients. And a whole host of others, I might add, uh, substance use disorder, polycystic ovarian syndrome, uh, metabolic disease, cardiovascular disease, 
these are things that we've identified as HS patients being at risk for and really need to be addressed, but probably need to work with our counterparts in medicine to adequately do so. So I want to add a little comment or question with the relation to disparities in HS and access to care and comorbidity screening. We think of HS as a disease that's more common or prevalent in African-Americans, and surely racism is some component of why some of these patients might not be getting as adequate care. But how do you consider race or how do you consider that the impact of those disparities in trying to help your patients? Well, I think we've come to appreciate that while HS is probably most common among whites in the United States, we know that uh, black patients are disproportionately affected by HS. And historically, we also understand that uh, comorbidity profiles and risks related to those affect black patients differently in the United States. Uh, and there are many reasons for that, which, which we've also identified. I think for me, you know, I, I just understand that, at least in the setting that I work in, access to care, access to treatments, they're barriers for many of our patients and many HS patients, uh, regardless of their race and ethnicity. And we really try to just comprehensively sort of understand also the contextual factors for each patient that may limit the progress that we have in caring for patients comprehensively. But for sure, all of the barriers that we've just discussed here are issues for HS patients. So you mentioned before that we know a lot about like obesity and smoking and perhaps addressing some of those comorbidities could help the HS or perhaps not that much. To what extent do you think addressing the comorbidities helps or predicts improvement in the HS itself? It's a fascinating question. We don't yet know if aggressively managing comorbid conditions has an influence on HS. We also don't know yet if adequately managing the HS can improve the comorbidity profiles of a patient. However, we have shown that mortality among HS patients is increased over the general population. HS patients that have high comorbidity burden have up to five times the risk of death compared to their healthy counterparts. And a lot of that risk, actually most of that risk, is directly related to comorbidities and not the disease itself. So management of comorbidities is as important as treating the disease itself in the long run. Yeah, I think that's important insight. I think it's it's frustrating when it's such an open field of ignorance. We don't know what we have weeds, but also a real opportunity for doing a lot for our patients. You must talk about HS to a lot of different dermatologists. Does anything stand out to you as the biggest misconceptions that people have about the diseases or comorbidities, at least among dermatologists? And I'm sure there are also misconceptions among other doctors and the general public. I think perhaps, I don't even know if it's a true misconception, but I think a lot of dermatologists don't have the same level of optimism related to treatments for HS patients today. And that's for good measure. We don't have the magic bullet that really completely adequately addresses inflammation and by way of that symptoms in HS. Um, But there are strategies that I think can improve symptoms and improve the lives of HS patients while this very active pipeline of therapies is sort of in development. 
And I would say that I think the most important sort of thing for me is that I don't undertreat my HS patients because we believe that ultimately HS is a progressive disease. We've got some limited registry information that tells us uh, that disease becomes progressive over time. So in a way, there's a window of opportunity to either slow that progression and ideally halt it. And so I think when there's a therapeutic strategy put in place, it should be reevaluated at least every six months to know, are we meeting the goals of therapy from the doctor's and the patient's perspective? And if we're not, what do we do next? And I think moving along in the therapeutic ladder and being innovative with the therapeutic strategies, uh, with the treatments that we have is important because we have that window of opportunity. I think that's, that's a really important strategy. I think so many of us are very busy taking care of patients that there may be an instinct just to write a prescription or to continue what's doing without taking a step back and saying, are we thinking of everything we should? Is this actually meeting our goals? I mean, if it is great, but you know, patients may be hesitant to bring it up and doctors may just assume everything is fine if they don't bring it up, right? Correct, yep. So really appreciate your time. I wanna start winding this down. Certainly I'm gonna be directing all of our listeners to check out the article in JAD and to read your excellent table detailing all of the recommendations for comorbidities. Are there any key practice points or most important take-home messages that you'd wanna leave with the audience? Yeah, you know, if I may, I may, I may sort of try to answer that question with a little bit of a story. I mean, my journey into HS began maybe eight years ago, and it was actually when we started our new department here in New York. And at that time, you know, that, that was a scratch start. We were building a practice. And so I had a lot of time to spend with patients, which is very different from what it's like for most of us practicing today. And not infrequently, I would come across HS patients. And, you know, with the luxury of time and just asking one more question, I learned so much about their journey. And for me, that was really compelling where I said, you know, I mean, if I'm going to try to help in any way that I really want to try to understand this disease better and try to help the patients in it. So I guess my message is we all are stressed for time, but I think just spending just a little bit more time whenever it's feasible with the HS patient to really understand what their needs are will allow the dermatologist to best advocate for that patient. Many of these patients don't see other doctors other than, let's say, ED physicians or a hospitalist when they're admitted. Many of them don't even have a primary care doctor. And as a dermatologist, you know, who really understands this disease and its impact and now can get a good understanding of the comorbidities that are relevant to this disease, the dermatologist really is in the best position to advocate for that patient's skin health, but also overall health. And so that's, that's really what... Uh, uh, I'd like to impart with uh, the group that's listening is be the best advocate you can for your HS patients. Yeah, I think I'm is, is pretty valuable by itself. I've been surprised how many HS patients I've seen. I've seen many providers and I just ask them a simple question. Do you understand what causes HS or what it is? And they have no idea. A lot of them say, oh, it's an infection, right? And I'm, I'm surprised. Oh, no one's ever, or if they did go over, it didn't really hit or even just acknowledging the common issues of, I, I know this may make you feel uncomfortable and intimate. You may feel that you're dirty or contagious, or even just, just having that acknowledgement seems to build a lot of trust. And 
I think even if you just invest a lot of time, even on that first visit, it can end up saving a lot of time later on. But uh, yeah, we have a long way to go to create the awareness that we need both in the medical and public sectors around HS. But I, you know, look, it's the guidelines and podcasts like this that I think will help pave that path. So I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Garga. It's always been great to be your colleague and uh, to see all the incredible work that you are doing in this area. And I want to thank our listeners for taking the time to learn more about HS and comorbidities. I urge you to check out the JAD review article that I pointed out from 2021. I'm Dr. Jules Lipoff uh, from Philadelphia. It's a pleasure. Have a great day, everyone. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. For more podcasts, including bonus issues, check us out online at the website of the American Academy of Dermatology or through the Dialogues in Dermatology app. You can now also sync your subscription to your favorite podcast app. New podcasts are released each week in addition to our monthly JAD podcasts. We hope you enjoy these new options for listening to Dialogues and the increasing content for your listening pleasure. Thank you.